All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 19 this morning. John chapter 19. I know I'm the only thing between you and uh, this big meal that you're cooking, Mama, or taking her out to eat. And so I will lay it on the line and do it quick, uh, but I'm not going to rush. Amen. But um, I'm having a lot of trouble with my sinuses. Yesterday I smoked too much, and I just really am having them clogged up. Amen. I smoked chicken. Amen. Okay. Some of y'all are wondering, oh boy, this preacher's really got some problems. Amen. But uh, smoking chicken will get your sinuses messed up. Amen. But anyway, praise the Lord. I'm looking forward to that. The only thing I smoke is chicken and pork and all that kind of stuff. Amen. <clears throat> and we can do that out back too. Amen. All right. John chapter 19, verse 23 through 30. I want to preach a message entitled, A Mother Standing in the Shadow of the Cross. I want to tell you something, friend. Jesus had a good mother. And uh, she's not the mother of God, as the Catholic Church proclaims. She's the mother of Jesus. And uh, God blessed her to be a blessing. And uh, God has blessed you ladies to be a blessing. I tell you what, our church would be in bad shape if it wasn't for the ladies. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. I mean, uh, some of you men ought to say amen to that. If it wasn't for the ladies, they do so much around here. Uh, we had... Uh, uh, surprise birthday party for Jason. I said, man, this ain't going to come, o- come off because everything's surprised. It probably wasn't surprised, especially when somebody laid the uh, sign-up list on the table out there in the hall. That wasn't very, that wasn't very surprising. But um, um, I'm just amazed at every fellowship we have, we just have enough and over enough, and, and the ladies always pitch in and serve, and I don't see no griping in the kitchen, and just a willing spirit, and, and that's a mother's touch to our church, and we appreciate it. John chapter 19, let's stand on the Word of God, verse 23 through 30. I've been wanting to preach all week. You, know, you hear good preaching, you want to preach. You hear bad preaching, you want to preach. Uh, I just hear any kind of preaching I want to preach, but we heard some great preaching this week. I appreciate Brother Max. He's in Tri-City, Tennessee, so pray for him as he preaches up there. He starts a revival, and they go through Tuesday. Go through Tuesday. I felt guilty about ending on Wednesday. This church is ending on Tuesday. Amen. Anyway, to each their own. Verse 23, the Bible says, Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments, made four parts to every soldier apart, and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. Then they said, therefore, among themselves, Let us not rent it, but cast lots for it, gambling at the foot of the cross. And you're gambling if you're not saved. Spiritual roulette. Whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, they parted my rain, my they parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture did they cast lots. And these things, therefore, the soldiers did. Now there stood. Here's the text. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus. Say the next two words with me. His mother and his mother's sister, Mary the life, wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. She had demons cast out of her. She was so grateful. She went all the way to the cross of Calvary. And when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he said to his mother, Woman, and I'll explain why he called her woman, Woman, behold thy son. Then said he to the disciples, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her into his own home. And after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon a hyssop 
and put it to his mouth. And when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for heaven. Lord, I have a mama in heaven. I have a daddy in heaven. Heaven's sweeter all the time. But God, the reason that heaven is uh, a possible is because you took our hell for us. You took our sin debt. You went all the way to Calvary. And God paid the beautiful price that it took. The horrible price, really. You died in our place. And God, I thank you for that. But I thank you, dear God, even on the cross, during all the agony, during all the pain, during all the times of, of, of rejection, you thought of your mother. God, help us to have that kind of attitude towards our mother, of appreciation, respect, and thanksgiving. So Lord, speak to our hearts today. Speak to all the moms to be better moms. God, for us to be better sons and daughters. And God, may we just be a better family for God. Thank you for all the ladies in this church, God, that minister and become moms to all these kids that sometimes their moms won't come. And so, Lord, we thank you for our Sunday school teachers, our Master Club teachers, all those that minister to these children. And, Lord, we pray that you bless today in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, seven times the Savior spoke while upon the cross. The first one was a word of forgiveness. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Luke 23, 34. Then the second word that he spoke was the word to the dying thief. He said, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And then the third phrase, we see it in here, he spoke the word of affection. It was towards his dear mama. And folks, he also delegated to John, who was the only man, by the way, that showed up at the cross. Four ladies, one man. Man, we ought to get right with God when we think about that. Amen. And uh, thank the Lord, he was saying, Behold, woman, behold thy son, and son, behold thy mother. And then we see the word of anguish in Matthew 27, verse 46. He said, Eli, Eli, lamba sabastana, which means, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? God could not look on that sin for that moment. The sun refused to shine because he was paying your sin debt and taking your hell so you wouldn't have to go there. Then we see the word of, uh, fifthly, or excuse me, we see the uh, fifth word, the word of suffering. And that's when he said, I thirst. I thirst. There was physical pain, there was emotional pain, but most important of all, there was spiritual pain. He took your sin debt. And then we see the word of victory, the sixth phrase. He said, it is finished. It's found in verse 30 of our text. And folks, it's not that he was finished, but the work, the payment was paid in full. Teletasia is in the Greek, the Latin equivalent is consummatum, which means paid in full. Every time there was a bill paid in the Bible days, that word, it is finished, or it is paid, was stamped on the bill. So folks, I want to tell you something. You don't have to work for your salvation. You don't get baptized, capsized, or simonized for your, for your salvation. Jesus paid it all. Can I have an amen? amen. And then we see the word of contentment. He said, Father, in thy hands I commend my spirit. Luke 23, 46. So we notice seven utterances speaking to persons who are dying and those that are rejecting him and even those that are receiving him, to the spectators, to all the people, and then even to his Father in contentment. But folks, also we see his suffering phrase where he said, I thirst. But 
Thank God in the middle of all this, the third time he spoke, the third time was a word of affection. Mother. Mother. I tell you, mother ought to have a special sense in your heart. Let me just say this, and this is really trite, but if, you, if it wasn't for your mother, you wouldn't be here. <laughs> Y'all get that later, amen? That's a Methodist joke, I guess, amen? But if it wasn't for mother, uh, you wouldn't be here. Uh, your mother has sacrificed for you, buddy. Your mother has taken her life and literally risked her life for you to be alive today. Say amen. I'm not talking about birth. I'm talking about the, the, the sacrifice that your mother has made to allow you to be who you are. Somebody, somebody has been very patient with us. Her name is Mama. I want to give you just a few things about a loving mama. Number one, she's a standing mama. You know, the Bible says in verse 25, simply, now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother. Folks, she didn't say much, she just stood there. She, didn't, she probably couldn't say much. It was such a horrible scene. Isaiah 52 said that it was, he was marred beyond recognition. He was beat to a literal pulp because of the uh, scourging and the beating that he had he'd taken from uh, Pilate. And so folks, we see uh, this uh, mother standing in the shadows. And for, as far as she knew, she'd be the next one that's crucified. But I want to tell you something, her love had her go all the way to Calvary. That's just like a mama. Say amen. And Jesus on the cross, the Lamb of God, crowned with thorns, suffering the sin's penalty. Folks, now there stood by the cross of Jesus, His mother. She stood with four, a little pitiful crowd, four women and one man. And uh, folks, we see that neither danger nor sadness nor spectacle or insult. It wasn't a matter of duty, but it was a matter of love. She stands by the cross. You know, you can count on a good mama. Say amen. She'll stand with you. And folks, the disciples deserted him. The, his own people said, crucify him, and mocked him, and sped upon him. But here's mama. But his mama was there. I want to tell you something. Sometimes mom's love is spelled T-I-I. M-E. Time. Spend time with your children. Then I see, second of all, how the loving mother was a suffering mom. A suffering mom. Look at Luke chapter 2. We'll go back to that in a minute. I'm trying to get right to my text. I don't want to miss it. But I want you to look at Luke chapter 2. And I want you to look at uh, verse 35. Verse 35. The Bible says, Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, speaking to Mary, the mama. The thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. The sword shall pierce through thy own soul. Folks, we begin with discovering that she has a child. Supernaturally, the Bible says in Luke chapter 1, that she was, she was an immaculate conception. And folks, that proves that life begins at conceptions. Say amen right there, Mom. And folks, I see her uh, under shame and reproach and even questioned by her own husband. Why are you pregnant? We're in the betrothal. We're to give each other only to each other. We're waiting for marriage. And she's pregnant. 
And she's misunderstood. She's probably gossiped about. Praise God, if she lived today, she'd be gossiped about, amen? Written up in the paper. She married a poor carpenter, lived in poverty. Gave birth in a lowly stable. Fled uh, Bethlehem to escape the sword of Med, the mad uh, Herod. And many children died because of the birth of her child. Many. Because of this king that wanted to eliminate the, the Messiah. But the climax of all her suffering was Calvary. There she stood. There she stood. And then I see, third of all, that she was a saved mama. Now the Catholic Church won't like this. But I want to tell you something. She's not the mother of God. And she's not to be worshipped. She is not to be worshipped. I want to prove to you through the Scriptures that she was a sinner that needed to be saved. Look at Luke chapter 2, verse 49. Luke chapter 2, verse 49. The Bible says this. Excuse me, 149. I'm sorry. Let's go back up to verse 47. It says, In my spirit, Mary's praising God, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my, what's the last word class? Savior. Mary's calling Jesus her Savior. Folks, she had to get saved just like any other sinner. We all fall short of the glory of God. All the mothers in the uh, 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 glory class got a pen and pull, you pull it out and it's the... Uh, uh, Romans wrote, and the first fact is, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You say, what are you doing with a pen? I don't know. It just, just fell in my pocket. I'll give it back to you, honey, I promise. Saved by faith. Plus nothing, minus nothing. It's all the grace of God. And every person born had to be saved except Jesus. Because He's God. Amen? So she was a saved mom. And then I want you to notice also she was a spiritual mom. Go back to our text now, and I'll try to uh, stay in either one of these texts, Luke chapter 1 or John 19. But I want you to look back at John 19. I want you to see what Jesus called his mother and explain to you why he called her woman. Now, friend, I'm going to give you a little word of advice. Don't ever call your mama woman. If you ever say Woman, go get me some Kellogg's cornflakes. I pray that she takes the box and hits you over the proverbial head. Amen? Don't call her woman. And don't call her old lady. I don't care if she's 107 or 87. Don't call her old lady. Call her mama or mama or the love of your life. Don't call her old woman. But Jesus called Mary, his mother, woman. Why? Was he showing disrespect? No. He was making a big point. And here's the biggest point and probably the main point of this message. In verse 26, the Bible says, And when Jesus there, John 19, And when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by, there they're standing by, amen, whom he loved, he said unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. And he said to the disciples, Behold thy mother. See, folks, she was a spiritual mom. And I want you to know this. John portrays Jesus as the Son of God 
who is above all. Amen? And I want you to notice another reason he would no longer call her mother was doubtless that he wanted to address her many times. I know he called her mama in the carpenter shop. I know he called her mama uh, many times during his life. But at his death, he was making an end to natural ties. What he was saying is, as 2 Corinthians 5, 16, Wherefore, henceforth, know ye no man after the flesh, yea, though you may know Christ after the flesh. Uh, it says, Yet now, henceforth, know we no more after the flesh. In other words, friend, from then on, Mary was having a spiritual relationship with the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me just make a point here. There's no closer relationship than a spiritual one. Husband and wife, it must be spiritual. You're kidding yourself if you think you can be married and not be spiritual. Folks, a spiritual relationship is this. Husbands, love your wife even as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it. And there is impossibility there for you to love your wife or anybody else unless He loves through you. Amen? It's a spiritual relationship. You must be born again of the Spirit to have a happy marriage. Wives, the Bible says, submit yourselves unto your husbands as the church submits to God. Now how in the world can you submit to Him when He gripes all the time, gets up from the table, and doesn't even say thank you for those grits? Praise God. I mean, you northerners, grits. And I mean, He don't, he don't uh, appreciate you and love you and takes you for granted. How can you submit to Him? I'll tell you how. Through the Spirit. And God gives you a spirit of submission that literally brings him under conviction because you stay out of the way and let God work on him. You don't try to be the Holy Spirit to your husband. You let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. And folks, you stay in your place. That doesn't mean that you're subservient. That doesn't mean you're second class. That just means you've got a role to fulfill of complimenting your husband and being a divine completer and not a competer. And that takes spirituality. Say amen. Because in the flesh, you say, I ain't submitting to that old boy. Praise God, he'll take advantage of me. I'm not going to do it. And you have your little fleshly way and your little selfish way and World War III breaks out and the children have to pay the price because mom and daddy are always clashing at each other. Folks, the greatest thing that could ever happen to your home is to let it be spiritual. He called her woman. But the reason he called her woman was he said, I'm God, I'm Lord. I'm over all, and you need to submit to me, woman. It wasn't disrespect at all. Hey, friend, I want to tell you something. If you're ever going to raise your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, I mean, that's father children and mama children, it must be spiritual. Child-parent relationship has got to be spiritual. Because let me tell you this, friend. The time they get out of your sight, they won't be spiritual unless He goes with them. John Newton was rescued not by a bunch of willpower and flesh. He was rescued by a mama next to a wash tub called Mama Newton that prayed and prayed and prayed and never give up on her wicked son. And look what he wrote. And he was not only a great songwriter, he was a great preacher. And look who he led to the Lord. No closer relationship. And folks, center to Christ is a spiritual relationship. When you get saved, I'm going to tell you something, friend. You have a relationship with the Father that will never let you down. I mean one that will lead you and guide you. And it's a spiritual relationship. 
I'm glad that we worship in spirit and truth. This is not a dead religion. We don't worship Mother Mary. We don't worship some mediator that's not going to get the job done. We worship through Jesus Christ's blood that was shed at Calvary. So when he called her woman, he was saying, I'm God. I'm Lord. I'm paying the price. And if you want to uh, uh, fellowship with me, you're going to have to fellowship in the Spirit. Folks, a spiritual relationship with a mother is precious. A spiritual relationship with a child is precious. We need to pray together. We need to seek God together. We need to live for God together. I'm telling you, friend, one out of two marriages in Dalton, Georgia is splitting up and the kids are nervous wrecks. Why? Because somebody's not forgiven. And somebody's not leading. And somebody's not praying. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. There's a difference in a carnal wedding and a carnal marriage and a spiritual one. Woman, spiritual, spiritual. And I want to say, last but not least, not only was she spiritual, but she was surrendered. You know, to be a good follower, a good leader, you've got to be a good follower. And I want you to turn back in closing to Luke chapter 1. We'll close there. But what got Mary to this point? Why did she go all the way to Calvary? Why was she such a good mama? For three years, she saw her son minister and work miracles. She's standing in the shadows. She didn't want any accolades. She didn't want uh, to have any credit. Praise God, she was just glad that she was his mama. Amen? And I know she was proud, standing in the shadows. Maybe she didn't understand it all, especially when they called her woman. But I want to tell you something, friend. God understood and God used her as a surrendered vessel. It all started when she conceived. Look at Luke chapter 1, verse 28. The Bible says, And the angel came unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Now folks, the word highly favors where we get the phrase, the grace of God. She was a vessel of grace. Nothing more, nothing less. And I want to tell you something, friends. She was submissive in her response. Look at verse uh, 33. And, he, and he, it says, And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of the kingdom there shall be no end. What a what uh, baby announcement. Look at verse 34. Then said Mary unto the, unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? I haven't been intimate with a man. How can this be? She was not rebelling. She just asked an honest question. Folks, I want to tell you something. The answer came in a wonderful pronouncement, a wedding announcement. Verse 35, And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. The word overshadow, the Hebrew equivalent to that is holies of holies. Her womb became the holies of holies to tabernacle Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Praise God, what a, care, what, a, what a way to carry someone, amen? And for nine months, her womb became the tabernacle of the Holy One, Jesus. She had not been with man, because the Father's God, the bloodline's God. It's a perfect bloodline, say amen. It's the only blood that can cleanse you from your sin. It's the only blood that will redeem you, folks, and it's pure, pure blood. It's not tainted blood. It's not fleshly blood. It's a miracle. We see the submissive response. and Thank God we see the revelation that it overshadowed thee, therefore also the holy thing which 
shall be born of thee, shall be called the Son of God. Now that really blew her mind, I'm sure. She's saying, I've not been with a man. He said, don't worry, you've been highly favored. So by grace, she submitted to God's will. What was the results of it? Well, she experienced the grace of God. In verse 30, it says, And the angel said to her, Fear not, Mary, for thou shalt find favor with God. She was used of God. Now, moms, let me tell you this. Your career is not more important than your children. Your money is not more important than your children. I want to tell you what's more important than anything is that your children turn out right for God, live for God, and, and magnify God, and do something for God, because that's eternity. Say amen. And a lot of times we forfeit eternity for the, on the altar of immediacy and we just don't spend enough time with our children. We don't spend enough prayer for our children. And let me just say this, friend. Mary was submissive to the grace of God, but she yielded everything to God. And folks, what happened? Well, she believed. And the will of God was accomplished. And she yielded. I close with this, this thought. She yielded everything. Look at verse uh, 38. It says, And Mary said, Behold the handmaiden of the Lord, be it upon me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. He said, she said, Okay, Lord, I give you my body. I give you my body. That's better than giving your body for sin. That's better than giving your body to this world. Folks, we're a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. God says it's our reasonable service to yield our bodies a living sacrifice. That means a dead thing. That we're dead to this world, alive to God. And folks, when you give your body to God, by the way, guess who, guess who created you? God. You never came from a monkey. I've never been down to Grant Park and seen a, 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 a boy or girl hatched out of one of those baboons. That'd be something, wouldn't it? But that didn't happen. And if monkeys, uh, uh, listen, if monkeys didn't make men back then, they ain't making them now. God created you. Life is a gift. You can't reproduce it. It's a seed of life there. And folks, I want you to know that that life is there for you to yield to. You're created for one reason, mama. To glorify God. To please Him. Revelation 4.11 Folks, you're not created for this world. But you're created not to make your children some heroes of this world. You're created to make them giants of faith and praise God for the next world called eternity. Your influence is valuable. G. Campbell Morgan had four preachers. They were at a family reunion. And one man asked the boys, said, which one of you is the greatest of preachers. And the youngest son, with a glean in his eye, looked at his daddy and said, Mama, she's the best preacher. <laughs> Amen. You got more influence than you could ever imagine. So you need to give your body, and then you need to give your soul. Look at verse 46. Luke chapter 1. You with me now? I'm closing. Don't pack up. I close and close. Look at verse 46. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. She gave her body... And then she gave her soul. Her soul is what relates to people. It's the emotional part of your life. And folks, I want to tell you something. She said, I give it to God to magnify Him. Bottom line, that's the reason you're alive. 
may I say with all honesty, that's the reason you had that baby. And that's the reason you raised her or him for the glory of God. And that's the reason the priority ought to be spiritual, not physical, not the flimsy things of this world. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. What does it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his soul? And what does it profit a child of yours that great, brought up and makes the most money in Dalton, Georgia and has the biggest carpet plant and has accolades after accolades from the citizen of the month and they die and go to hell or they live like it. It doesn't make sense. Only one life so soon it'll pass. Only what's done for Christ's life. So you give your body, you give your soul and then she gave her spirit. Look at verse 47. And my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Body, soul, and spirit was yielded. I'm going to tell you this. The reason Mary was in the shadow of the cross is because not only she was a saved mama, and not only was she a standing mama there where she ought to be, and not only was she a spiritual mama, but praise God, she was a submissive, surrendered mom to God's will. And she was there standing in the shadows. And God used her all through her life and still uses the memory of this little peasant girl that had not enough money to give a sheep or a lamb, but a turtle dove at the offering. The Bible says she was poor. A poor carpenter's wife. But God used her to bring to the reality of the world there is a Savior. And may I say, moms, it's still a high calling to bring to this world there is a Savior. And folks, it was joy of being saved. There was joy of being chosen. There was joy to praise His name. But I want to tell you something. The greatest victory and the greatest blessing was that through her life, through her yieldedness, she presented Jesus. She carried Jesus to the world. And that's exactly your call. That's exactly what God has called you to do, Mama is to bring Jesus to this world and to magnify His name in your body and in your soul and your spirit. There's a little boy named Lee. I hope nobody's read my Facebook post on this or learned this whole thing. There's a little boy named Lee. He began his life with all the classic handicaps and disadvantages. His mother was was a powerfully built, dominating woman who found it difficult to love anyone. She had been married three times, and her second husband divorced her because she beat him up regular. What a woman. <laughs> the father of the child uh, I'm describing was her third husband. He died of a heart attack a few months before the child's birth, probably living with her. And as a consequence, the mother had to work long hours from his earliest childhood. She gave him no affection, no love, no discipline, no training during those early years. She even forbade him to call, call her at work. Sad. Other children had little to do with him. So he was alone most of the time. He was absolutely rejected from his earliest childhood. When he was 13 years old, a school psychologist uh, uh, committed, uh, commented that he probably didn't even know the meaning of the word love. During adolescence, the girl would have nothing to do with him and he fought with the boys. 
Despite a high IQ, he failed academically and finally dropped out during the third year of high school. He thought he might find acceptance in the Marine Corps. He'd run from submission and go join the Marine Corps. And they, and they reportedly built men, so he wanted to be one. But his problems went with him, and the other Marines laughed at him and ridiculed him. He fought back, resisted authority, and was court-martialed and thrown out of the Marines with an undesirable discharge. So there he was, a young man in his early 20s, absolutely friendless. He was small and scrawny in stature. He was an adolescent, uh, had a, a squeak in his voice, nothing to be desired. He was balding. He was, had no talent, no skill, no sense of worthiness. worthiness. Once again, he thought he could run from his problems, so he went to live in the foreign country. But it was rejected there also. And while there, he married a girl who had been an illegitimate child and brought her back to America with him. Soon she began to develop the same contempt for him that everyone else displayed. She bore him two children, but he never enjoyed the status and the respect a father should have. His marriage continued to crumble. His wife demanded more and more things that he could not provide instead of being his allies against this bitter world as he hoped she began to be the most vicious opponent she would outfight him and she learned to bully him on one occasion she locked him in the bathroom as punishment finally he forced him to leave he tried to make it on his own but he was terrible lonely and after days of solitude he went home and literally begged her to take him back and he surrendered all pride and despite his meager salary he brought her $78 as a gift asked her to take it and spend it any way she wished, but she belittled in his feeble attempt to supply the family's needs. She ridiculed his failure, and at one point she fell on his, he fell on his knees and wept bitterly at the darkness of his private nightmare that enveloped him. Finally, in silence, he pled no more. No one wanted him. No one ever wanted him. The next day, he was a strangely different man. He rose, went to the garage, took down a rifle he had hidden there. He carried it with him to the, his newly acquired job at a book storage building. And from a window on the third floor of that building, shortly after noon, November 22nd, 1963, I was delivering papers that day as a 12-year-old. He sent two shells crashing into the head of President John Fitzgerald Kennedy. Lee Harvey Oswell, the rejected unlovable failure killed the man who more than any other man on earth embodied all the success beauty wealth and family affection which he lacked and firing that rifle he utilized the one skill he had learned in his entire miserable lifetime Lee Harvey Oswell story stands out from that of others because of the incredible documented public infamy of the final days of his life. His miserable life experience is parallel today of thousands and thousands have known the same and even greater lack of affection, discipline, and training because much of America's family experience is a rational desert. Friend, your influence on your child can change history. It can make a man. It can make a great woman. And I believe with all my heart, with all my heart and all my soul, 
that one of the greatest ministries on this earth is the ministry of mom. The ministry of mom. And God help us if we don't realize the importance of being a spiritual mom. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this story of a great mama who went all the way to Calvary. A great mama who was saved by the grace of God. And Lord, she was standing right where she ought to be. Lord, most important of all, she was submissive and yielded to the grace of God that made her a great mom. Lord, I pray for every mom in this room, every mom-to-be, every lady that has such great influence on all our children that come to this church, that have to stand in the gap. God, help them to take serious the ministry of mom. 